Welcome to the ride. Life, Work, and Wealth Podcast with your host, Chris Rowe. Years ago, Chris was a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow, and it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow, he helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives in Burlington, Ontario, and is an investment advisor at Three Hats Financial, a trade name of Harborfront Wealth Management, an IROC dealer. Let's get to it. COVID has changed the way we live. And for kids, well, those changes have come at a crucial time in their lives. Some missed key milestone celebrations. Think birthday parties and graduation. Others missed months of formal school and socialization skills. And there was often new added stress. Chris Duro is here with Dr. Donna Matthews, a developmental psychologist. In addition to her private practice, Donna has published many articles and is co-author of four books, including Beyond Intelligence, Secrets for Raising Happily Productive Kids. Chris, Donna, this is such a timely discussion, as life seems to be returning to, dare I say, something more normal. Thanks, Patrice. Yeah, you are correct. We, I have had, I mentioned this to Donna yourself, like we've had many discussions with clients around this topic, and I've actually had multiple requests to have uh, psychologists in the show just to go over these issues. Because with parenting, anyone that has children, it's definitely not an easy job. It's the toughest job I've ever had so far. And uh, since three weeks ago, my oldest of three just became a teenager. So it doesn't look like it's going to be getting any easier for Tina and I. Um, so today, I just wanted to have a chat with Donna to go over the changes we've seen in our children due to COVID and uh, what parents can do to help or things to kind of pay attention to. And uh, Donna, Donna, years ago, well, first of all, I want to thank you very, very much for coming on the show. Very excited to have you. And I really appreciate your time today coming on here. So much my pleasure. Thank you, Chris. No, absolutely. My pleasure. And um, I have to, so a couple of years ago, Donna, I was on a plane going to a conference in the UK and I sat beside um, this lady, very, very pleasant. And of course, we start chit-chatting back and forth. And she was actually a child psychologist. And I have to admit, it was one of the most interesting flights I've ever had. I'll never forget it because um, we just, I felt like it was bugging her as asking her so many questions, <laughs> but she just kept uh, giving me all kinds of information. And one thing that stuck in my head is I just remember her saying, Yep. When a child becomes a teenager, they go through this thing called the teenage tunnel. And I'm like, oh my, like, let me write this down. Like I was all nervous. Like what the heck's a teenage tunnel? And she's just like, basically as a parent, you just hope they come out the other side with a good solid base. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but yep. anyways, I'm in it now. So uh, let's start off with some questions that I know that every parent is, is uh, interested in finding out. So let's just start Donna with how do you feel that this new world and the, the pandemic, how has it, has it changed childhood or what have you noticed? Okay. I mean, it's, it's a terrific question. And I agree. I think a lot of parents are wondering and worrying about this as are professionals who work with kids. And, and I'm glad you talked about you having a newly, a, a newly branded teenager in your family, because I think teens maybe the hardest hit in, in many ways by the last couple of years of the pandemic. 
we'll be talking a little bit later about what parents can do. And I think that there's a lot that parents can and need to do to support their teens in particular, but also other kids. Um, in thinking about how this new world, the pandemic, has changed childhood, I, I think we have to sort of divide it up into is probably a spectrum of change that has occurred. For some kids, they've actually benefited. They've matured more quickly in many ways than they might otherwise have done. They've become more socially aware. They've become more socially responsible. They've learned that by wearing a mask and following social distancing rules, they're helping keep other people safe, especially maybe grandparents or others who are more vulnerable than others to the virus. They've learned how much we rely on medical workers and other frontline staff like the people who work at the grocery store. So, so I think for, for a lot of kids, there have been some real benefits from the pandemic. Other kids, however, I think we're right to be worried about them. They've become destabilized, less secure. They've experienced chaos, fear, uncertainty. And those things are not good for resilience and coping as they go forward in their lives. Well, that's interesting that even seeing that some have matured faster, I never even would have thought of that. So that's 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 yeah. definitely interesting. Now, stress, obviously over the last two years, those you just you saw some stats, but it was you're just hearing it from everywhere. Like even parents joking that uh, making much more trips to the LCBO because of stress and just you start hearing some unfortunate things of, of even potential abuse and things like that had increased. Um, we, I did Patrice and I did a, a podcast not too long ago about unfortunately divorced during a pot, the, the pandemic because that had increased. So obviously there's been significant amounts of level of stress over the last two years. And how has that affected these kids, because we all know that have children, they're little sponges. They're, they're so smart. They, they pay attention more to the environment than I think that half of us give them credit to. And what have you noticed with, in regards to the higher stress levels over the last two years? Okay. I think to begin with, when thinking about stress, I mean, I understand and, and agree that we have to worry about that. There has been way more stress in the atmosphere. There's way more incidences of psychological problems, people who had problems going into the pandemic, those problems have in many, many cases been exacerbated. As you say, divorce rates, there are a lot of reasons to worry about stress. So I'm not going to understate that. But at the same time, I think it's important to remember that stress can be beneficial when it's well managed. You know, as I was saying earlier, there, there are signs that for many children, there's uh, an increased maturity, an increased sense of responsibility and connection to the world around them. Um, too much stress or a family system that has broken down under the stress where the parents have maybe not coped very well with the stress. They've become angry, volatile, irritable. That, yes, that does hurt children's development in every way. Mm -hmm. uh, cognitive, social, emotional, physical. So how a child has been affected depends on two main things, how much support and connection the kid experienced from their parents and other adults in their life during the pandemic, so their pandemic experience, 
but also another very important factor is how resilient the child was going into the pandemic. So kids who feel that their family and they've come through this stressful time together, that they've made it work okay, and nobody's done it perfectly. That's just not possible. It's been yeah. horrible. But if no. they feel like they collectively, the family has made it work okay, kids can again be stronger, more confident, more resilient going forward than they might otherwise have been, right? Because if you cope reasonably well with something that's really, really hard, you feel better about yourself. That, that, that's a good thing going, it's a resiliency factor. If on the other hand, and again, I'm, I'm going to be, I think in many of the questions we discuss, I'm going to be saying, you know, on the one hand, there's this, and on the other hand, there's that. <laughs> if a kid feels they've had to handle too much on their own without the resources they need to do that, like if the parents haven't coped very well, they haven't provided the security the kid needs, mm -hmm. that child will probably be set back in their developmental progress. And that's where we can expect to see problems going forward. Like it may be emotional, social, physical, academic. And that's great. And that, okay, well, that's, that's great. And the, you're, you're, what, what I'm getting from this is there is a lot of some, well, not a lot, but it's not all negative. There is positive things from these children over the last two years having to go through COVID. So yeah, some, some kids, I think, will be better off than they might otherwise have been. And yeah. other kids won't. So. Now, and yet, Donna, you touched on two big things I want to ask today. And one is education. So a lot of parents, especially when I go to walk and pick my kids up from school and we're waiting for the bell to ring and all of that, that's where a lot of that discussion is when you're actually on, on the, the school grounds with, with other parents. Let's talk a bit about education and what your thoughts are on this since a lot of people have said that two, our kids losing up to two years of school has been an issue. Um, it's not exactly equal in the sense that some parents went hardcore with the homeschooling, others could not because they either still were not working from home or did not have time. Um, so in regards to that, where do you feel that kids will be in regards to education? Because we're also even hearing that some parents are so concerned they're starting that the private school enrollments are up. Mm -hmm, I know. I, I am not as worried about the educational impact as a lot of other people are. Kids have been learning throughout the pandemic, maybe not academic stuff, but they've been learning. You know, a lot of them haven't been going to school. And as you say, the, the online learning and the continued academic focus has been really spotty. And, and some kids have, have, you know, their noses have been kept to the grindstone. Many other kids, it's been sporadic. You know, it hasn't, it hasn't been very academic. But that does not mean kids haven't been learning. If they've had a reasonably supportive home situation, they've probably done, but still haven't done much academics, they've probably done more playing than usual, which is a great thing for their brain development. They've maybe learned how to entertain themselves, which stands them in great stead going forward. It makes them more resourceful, more confident, more innovative. 
you know, there are, are good things to do if you're not going to school. There are in some ways, and this is contentious, but it's something that I've observed in kids is, is that sometimes it's better for them if their schedules aren't so rigid. The, the lucky kids have had more outdoor time than usual, more do nothing time, more time when they can figure out who they are, what they like doing. Those kids are going to be more independent and creative than they might have been if they carried on with their regularly scheduled activities, including school. That's interesting. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah it, it is. Interesting. I mean, it's. I, I very much agree with your perspective. I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people think it is for the majority of kids. I mean, there are kids, as I've already said, who have been seriously set back by the pandemic, but I'm more concerned about the psychosocial development, their social and emotional selves, the loss of security that I am about the loss of learning opportunities, the academic stuff people can catch up on. You know, I read something or heard something today that sort of thought, I thought was relevant to our conversation. And it was, what did you really learn at school? What do you remember as an adult that you learned at school? Like, right, you, yep. you learned to right and and do some math and you know most of the math I've forgotten but I can still add and subtract but you know it's true <laughs> I don't remember a lot more than I do remember no and, I agree yeah. yeah so you know I'm thinking that as we move out of the pandemic teachers are going to have to work harder than ever to differentiate the curriculum they're they're going to be finding themselves you know they've each teacher in each grade level has like a big, a much larger than previous range of, of knowledge among the kids. So some kids have done practically nothing academically for two years. Some kids have just kept at it and, and even accelerated relative to the usual thing. So, so teachers are going to be finding themselves with huge range of abilities and, and knowledge in their classes. Yeah. And, I mean, that's always true that there's a huge range. And, but now they're going to need to learn how to deal with it. So I'm thinking there's the possibility that we'll end up with better schools and better teachers because of the pandemic. As long as teachers are given the, the kind of training and resources they need to cope with those, those bigger differences. And you now, the, the two biggest things, the two biggest questions, which you, you just touched on, obviously, or we discussed education, and you just touched a little bit on the first, on the second one, which I want to mention is parents, education was one. The other two years of that's caused concern is, is socialization, because for two years, these kids have lost playtime, uh, birthday parties, playing sports, recess, issues at school, stuff to help them yeah. grow in that sense. You Then you have um, only yeah. child, only child families that yeah. there is no sibling interaction and problem solving and arguing and fighting, which um, my mm -hmm. three, my three definitely did a lot to, uh, they definitely yeah. are well adversed in that because there was a lot of fighting with the three of them locked down in here. But so as far as the socialized, now the education, that's great. Cause I think that that's going to help a lot of parents feel better. What about the socialization? How, yeah. how about that? Yeah, no, I am more worried about that, about kids' lack of social interaction and support. 
uh, than I am about the academic concerns. I mean, schools are going to have to learn how to manage it, the academic stuff, but the social and psychological stuff, is, that's, I think, more troubling. I'm, I'm more troubled and concerned about that going forward than the, the educational side of it. I mean, it's interesting. I love what you said about your own children. I think those kids who have siblings and lots of sibling interaction in their families, you know, I think that's a real bonus through the pandemic. <laughs> it, it keeps their brains functioning. They're learning about conflict resolution. You know, it's, it's good. Um, so kids who are living in single child households, um, certainly the parents and the kids have, you know, that's been a hard a harder thing to manage. And I know everybody's managed it quite differently. But I think virtually every child has missed social and, and athletic experiences they otherwise would have had. They will catch up quickly if they've if they've had, you know, the resiliency factors that I've talked about before, if they've got sort of a strong enough family that they feel supported and loved and, and nurtured, they're going to be catching up quite quickly. It's, it's been perhaps annoying through the, the period of the pandemic, but I think, I think I'm, it's, it's the other kids, the kids whose parents haven't coped well for one reason and another, where the kids have not received much social or emotional support that we're going to be seeing, we are starting to see some mental health, increased need for mental health services, as well as, as increased behavioral problems, academic problems. We're gonna need to, to think about putting in, sort of investing resources in attending to that. And, you know, if you know, speaking to, to your audience, if you happen to be in a family where one or both of the parents have not coped well, it's time as we move out of the pandemic to be thinking seriously about what kinds of additional supports your kids might be needing going forward. Yeah, that's a great point because there is a few articles that I've also read that we haven't necessarily seen the long-term effects yet. And yeah, it's spring... Right. It's spring now, things are opening up, people are more positive, happy, but there could be long-term effects of this and that people don't have to tackle this alone. There is resources such as yourself yeah. and many professionals to, to, to help with this. So that's a very good point to, to add. Now, one thing that's also changed is we just have a lot more parents working from home. And I just wanted to touch on that because there is much more of that than there was pre-COVID. Has that, like it, it's added family time for sure because there's less commuting and things like that. Um, we've heard things like now kind of the hours blend in more before people would drive to work, drive back to work, and that was it, it was cut off. But now people have adapted their homes to be able to work out of. So the lines get blended more now because they are working from home. And I was just curious, is that, are you seeing an issue with that or has that changed anything in regards yeah, to totally. children? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're so right when you say the, the families where the parents are lucky enough to keep their jobs and be working from home, right? Because for so many families, that's not the situation. But where that is the situation, 
there are pluses and minuses in all kinds of ways. My observation is that the kids, you know, I think it's been hard for the parents, but I think the kids have really benefited from having, you know, much less time in daycare, less time in after school care programs. No, you know, in many cases, there's no more nanny, there's no other caregivers. And so kids have had closer access to both parents, you know, where they have two parents. And that's good in terms of the kids' sense of security and confidence going forward. So, so I think there's a lot of benefits. And, and again, I, I have to divide it between people who have coped reasonably well, understanding that nobody has coped perfectly. That's just, I, I haven't known anybody who has, and I don't think anybody, um, you know, it's been up and down and challenging and difficult, but people who have sort of managed to hold it together well enough uh, compared with people who have sort of fallen apart, the parents where where they have not coped well uh, and haven't been able to provide their kids a sense of stability and warmth. So for those kids, yeah, again, I'm, I'm seeing and predicting we will see more problems emerging and, and a real need for professional support in, in some families, sort of mental health issues and other kinds of problems. So overall, I think for most families, this working from home is a real plus for the kids. Okay, well, that's great because that is, we know that's that's a big majority of the population now. So that's positive news. Now, We'll just touch on this because I definitely, one of the biggest things I want to get into today is is tips, is things that parents can be doing and helping. So I want to make sure we have time for that. I will touch on this question very quick for you because we have quite a few clients that are new grandparents over the last two years. So this has been a concern for them is newborns. We talked about teenagers, so let's go to the complete opposite spectrum of that. Newborns that were born the last two years. Would there be any developmental dips or concerns there, or are they just so young that and resilient that grand new grandparents and new parents shouldn't even worry? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a grandparent myself, so I I really understand the concern. Um, but you know, as with everything else we've been talking about, if the parents have been able to provide a good enough home environment, those infants are developing the skills they otherwise would have been developing before the pandemic. But humans are designed to be pretty resilient within certain pretty elastic bounds. So the most important thing, the most urgently essential thing for healthy development in the early years is patient, loving, dependable attention of at least one adult. So if your little grandchild has gotten that, then they've gotten enough and you, as, as a grandparent, can provide all the rest, you know, the, the wonderful benefits that grandparents can provide of, of just being that unconditionally loving human in the child's life. You know, you've got a lot of years to be providing that in the future. So, I mean, obviously, when the infant hasn't received that kind of, of warm, focused, loving attention, and the grandparents might otherwise have provided it. Well, yeah, then the pandemic has been seriously damaging to the child. That is not the case in most families. 
So even there, the damage isn't necessarily permanent, but it will need to be addressed as soon as possible. And probably in those cases, if, if there hasn't been consistent love for the infant, for the newborn, uh, those parents, that family is almost certainly going to need some professional help for, for themselves as well, perhaps in the future for the child. Okay. Well, thank you very much touching on that. I know a lot of my clients will appreciate that advice. Now let's get into the, basically let's, we'll break it down into the three, three age groups here and talk about what can parents start doing today to help with what's potentially been lost. But actually after talking to you for the last 20 minutes or so, Donna, uh, it's, this is not nearly um, as negative as I believe a lot of listeners would have thought. And there's a lot of positive things out of this, but however, yeah. as a parent, we can always learn. So let's just touch on what parents can do to kind of help what's happened over the last two years to children. We'll start with um, toddlers, preschoolers, like age one to five. Okay. Well, I mean, it's the, the same stuff that is sort of is universally true. It's always been true that this is what toddlers need. It's even more urgently true now in a, a time of some chaos and disruption. Um, it's important that parents be warm, loving, patient, available. So the, the real basics on the one hand, so, so that the parent be those things. And then that the child gets the basics, lots of time for play, outdoor time, physical activity, sleep. And then I think this has become more urgent now, you know, with you know, loss of social interaction. I think we need to start paying more attention to social interaction opportunities for the little ones. Okay, great. And now middle childhood, six to 12. And it, I even want to like to touch on this too, that just because yeah. all three of my kids, well, my oldest just turned 13. So, but pretty much all yeah. three of my kids are in this bracket. Right. Um, the biggest thing is with, with them that I notice a lot of times is, is they sometimes can have a bit of a tough time trying to occupy themselves. Mm -hmm. and kind of, I, I just don't remember myself and my friends asking our parents as much like, what are we doing today? Or what's yeah. going on today? And I, I, at least I've noticed that with, with my kids, yeah. um, my kids, friends, uh, parent, other parents I've spoken to. So yeah, that, and that's not just necessarily potentially COVID that might just be because of like a lot of parents, myself included, we like hate the video games. We just yeah. didn't have to, de we didn't have to deal with cell phones when we were kids. So that's yeah. a whole, that's probably a whole show on itself, but I'll let you yeah. touch on, on this bracket. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've raised, you know, some, obviously like some, some other tangents we could go on that would happily take a whole show. Yeah. And <laughs> one of them, like sort of, what do you do when you're bored? I mean, what my mother used to do if, if I or one of my siblings expressed boredom was she would find a job for us. And that's what I did with my kids. You know, if they were bored, you know, it was okay. <laughs> I have laundry to fold. I have a bathroom to clean, you know, it's, and kids in middle childhood can do any of those chores. So, so for me, there's always something to do. And, you know, when a child is bored, um, I, I think it's, 
as a parent, and this is, as you said, this is pre-pandemic. I think too many kids are overscheduled today so that they they don't have the opportunity to figure out what they really want to do. And so they don't have enough time in the normal course of events to be bored and then to figure out how to how to do something exciting with that. So that's one of the great gifts of the pandemic is that for a lot of children, they've been bored and parents have been too busy with their own work to fill that time. You know, they haven't been able to do it themselves. So, so I think that's a potential benefit for kids of the pandemic. But in general, so the middle childhood, what do you do with those kids going forward, especially if you're concerned about their social or academic or emotional development or their physical development? I mean, I think some kids have gotten sort of lethargic through the pandemic. They haven't been as active. So so the first two things like, you know, that I talked about with little kids apply to middle childhood too. the six to 12 year olds is be warm, be loving, be patient, be available as much as you can. Um, and then make sure your child gets the basics of play, outdoor time, physical activity, sleep, adequate sleep is really important and social interaction. So those are all children need those things and teenagers do too. But then the, the next things that the, the middle childhood kids need is they need their parents to be available to talk to. So for parents, that means be available to listen to what your kids are thinking and feeling to the extent that you can. Like be, be actively patient in your listening, especially now, because with the pandemic, there have been so many fears and uncertainties. So, so a parent being available to listen is really important. And then as kids enter back into sort of the normal fuller time, real-time social interactions, that brings a lot of fun and joy, and it also brings a lot of stressors for kids. So parents being available to listen to that's really important. Also, I think it's important to be patient as kids get back into academic routines and other routines. That's not going to come real easy. You know, a lot of kids are not going to enjoy that or or respond well to it. I think we can expect sort of fits and starts and ups and downs as kids get back into their routines. Um, Well, no, that's, that's, yeah, I'll definitely be taking a few tips out of that. Um, thank you very, very much. And we'll, we'll finish off here, Donna, with uh, teenagers, because I imagine that could be a whole show on its own as well. Oh, but- you know, it would. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the teen years, and for me, like as a psychologist, the 11 to 14-year-old years I see as really important. Those, those are the like early adolescent years. And those years, you know, where their bodies are changing, they're minds or brains are changing there's everything is changing all at once in those years 11 to 14 in particular but then moving you know a little maybe to 16 or something um, those years are are chaotic even without a pandemic so kids in that stage they often reject 
and resent their parents' involvement in their lives, but they really need solid, reliable parenting support more than ever through those years. Um, and they also need, you know, focus on sleep and outdoor time and all those things, just like the younger kids do. So being, you know, it's letting them make decisions for themselves on the one hand, so they develop their independence and autonomy is essential, you know, and that's always pre, post, during pandemic, independently of the pandemic, you know, kids need that. They need to, to learn to become independent and they need you to respect their autonomy. Um, but they also need your parenting support. So it's, it's a real challenge for parents to parent a teenager. Like that's because parents have to change their style pretty dramatically. So I've recently written a book that's I, it's called Imperfect Parenting. So how to build a relationship with your child, weather any storm. And I talk a whole lot about how, yeah, I think that the best parenting advice is take good care of yourself. And, mm -hmm. and sort of the rest will follow. So if as a parent, you're, you're mindful and you're relaxed and you're getting enough sleep and you're getting enough exercise and decent nutrition and all those things, um, you'll be a better parent. Well, I'll have to get that one next because I, I loaded up my Kindle there the other day with your Beyond Intelligence, the secrets oh, for cool. raising happily productive kids. So after I get through that one, I'll tackle that one. But That's anyways, super. Donna, I can't thank you enough. I could literally keep you on here for an hour and a half at least talking about this stuff. So I really, really appreciate you coming on, and uh, which was great. And I, I learned some stuff, learned quite a few things. So thank you so much for fitting us in. Uh, I just really appreciate having you on the show. Well, thank you, Chris. It was a real pleasure. And be sure to follow this podcast, The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth, to know when the latest show is ready. Of course, please share with family and friends, especially this episode with anybody who is a parent. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.